Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We started on Sunday talking about the subject of generational curses. And we did mention that um, the subject of generational curses has become a stumbling block in the body of Christ because of the way it has been handled and because of the way it has been taught. It is important for us to understand that regardless of our experience, God's word is what we need to learn from. What that means is that we do not use our experience to interpret the word of God. The word of God is what should tell us what is right. Are you following what I'm saying? Are you here? Are you going home? Are you following what I'm saying? Okay. So you know, for instance, uh, your children would like ice cream. You know, children like ice cream. Some of you adults also like ice cream more than children. Uh, because you can only buy ice cream now. When you were young, your parents could not afford ice cream, so you have decided to recover the years that the Kanka Wom and the Pama Woms uh, have eaten. But you know that if you are going to be healthy, you cannot live on ice cream. So most of the things that make us healthy are not the things we want, but rather the things that are sweet and loving and nice are the things that we're readily open to. It's the same thing when we look at this subject of generational curses because from the way it's been taught, if you follow it that way, it gives us an easy route out of whatever we're going through. So you're sick in your body or someone is sick or something is happening at your job or somebody's happening, something is happening in your family. It's easy to just throw your hands up and say, well, the, the idols in my father's house are after me. You know, I've even heard... And sadly enough, I've even heard sometimes medical doctors even advise people, especially medical doctors who are pastors, for instance. They will look at cases and say, this one is a spiritual case. There's nothing we can do. And, and unconsciously, we have created a scenario where it looks like even as believers, we are under the mercy of demonic forces. And so you see... Uh, so-called Christians get up every morning, they want to attack, they want to fight. They are always fighting. They are always in battle. They are always in warfare. Some have lost their voices. Why? The warfare was very intense. You know, in those days, our definition of prayer warriors were all those whose voices couldn't, you know, when you ask them questions in class in the morning, say, how is this obvious? Amen. This was not easy. What happened? We wrestled through the night. You know, and sometimes when you look at their life after such wrestling, surely they wrestled with ignorance. There was no progress. God's word has instructed us on this subject and have told us, or we can learn from the word of God, the right approach to this. So in First Timothy chapter 1, verse 3 to 4, Paul clearly warns Timothy. Let's read that now. Let's start off from there. First Timothy chapter. We're going to just read maybe five scriptures this evening. And I'm sure that it's going to bless our lives. First Timothy chapter 1. We want to look at Paul's instruction to Timothy. First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3. 
It says, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. It says, warn them that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies. And I told you that word genealogies is from the Greek word genealogia. It means that to trace your family history. It says, don't give birth to endless genealogies, which causes disputes rather than godly edification, which is in the faith. He says, these endless genealogies causes disputes. It's almost like now we are trying to find out whose father saved idols more. Say, amen, this is what I'm going to say. No, the spirits from your father's house are not wicked. You need to come to my own father's house and see wickedness. And these are believers talking. You know, so I was able to say on Sunday, please make sure you get the message, request for it if you don't have it. In Joshua chapter 24 verse 1, Joshua was very clear and says that Abraham, the father of Abraham, worshipped other gods. The father of Abraham, let's read it quickly, let's read it quickly. Joshua chapter 24 verse 1. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 1. And when Joshua was trying to tell them about um, when they left the, they crossed the Jordan. Joshua chapter 24 verse 1. And then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. Look at verse 2. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, of God, the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers including Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. So it was clear that the father of Abraham was an idol worshiper. It was very clear. But when God called Abraham, according to Romans chapter 4, let's go to Romans chapter 4 now. Romans chapter 4. And we're going to read Verse 22, Romans 4, 22, it says, And therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. But also for us, it shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. I'm going to deal with this after this Sunday, the other Sunday, that, that the sacrifice of Jesus erases our offenses. It says that Jesus was raised, was crucified for our offenses. And so even though the father of Abraham worshipped other gods, when God called Abraham and Abraham believed in that call, in that process, the scripture quickly says that Abraham became righteous. Now, it's important for us because this is the the basis of the justification of faith. That when we believe into God, our sins are no longer accounted against us, but we are now justified and we are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so we discovered that a parable was said that, let's go to, uh, wait now, let's, let's go to Jeremiah 31 verse 21. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 21. Jeremiah chapter 31 and 
verse 29. Let's do verse 29. And even though these truths are being taught, you need to meditate on them until they become a consciousness. Don't just say, oh, well, I know, you know, and you act that way, you talk that way, you live that way, you believe that way, you reason that way, you sleep that way. No. Come to the point in your life and in your work where you know that by virtue of what Christ has done for you, you cannot suffer from a generational curse. And it's not just a statement of faith. You know, Christians, sometimes we just confess a lot and we don't really believe it because when the situation shows up, it means we don't believe it. Um, I've given this example before. Uh, why you turn into Jeremiah 31, verse 29. I've given this example before. There was a time I, I printed uh, a magazine for young people. And the, the front cover of that magazine was about a lady who was flying a plane. You know, I used it as a motivational um, piece about a lady who was flying a plane. You know, so we printed the magazine. We distributed among young people like, wow, you know how this thing is. Women can do it too. What a man can do, a woman can do and all that and all that. <laughs> you know. So <clears throat> I, was going to, I was in Kenya. I was to preach in Uganda. So Kenya Airways, <clears throat> the plane was delayed for a long time. Maybe like four hours, just delayed. So finally, we got into this big plane, the Boeing plane, big, massive. Everybody seated. And then this very, not so very tall lady shows up uh, with a pilot uniform. And says, well, I want to apologize for the plane being late, but we're going to try our best to get you to Uganda on time. We're going to fly. <laughs> In my mind, I said... Tell us you are going to serve us tea. Don't tell me you are the one flying this plane. You understand? But she was the pilot. Now, when I printed the magazine to say there was a woman pilot and, you know, distributing to people, did I really believe that? (laughs) Maybe I didn't. It was just a nice way of encouraging people. But when the reality showed up that a woman was to fly, and I, I prayed in tongues all through the trip. Not that I was afraid. I just felt like praying in the spirit. You understand what I'm saying? Just to pray to support her since we were late. But it just showed that I didn't really believe even what I paid the printer to print. So even though we're saying that we cannot suffer from generational curses, there's a way this truth needs to sink into your heart. Because when certain things start happening to you, that maybe happened to someone in your family, Somehow you say, it's like these generational causes have a way of leaking through the blood to touch you. You will begin to justify it. And that's what I'm saying. So it's not the head knowledge that's important. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Because things might so happen when the enemy sends terror your way. And it will look like, come on, this thing, are you sure is really true? And that's what real faith is. Real faith is that in the midst of circumstances that look like this thing is going to come upon me. You stand on God's word and say, this is what God's word said. Amen. Okay. Jeremiah 31 verse 29. Praise God. He says, and in those days, please look at this carefully. They shall say no more. That's very important. God is speaking to the house of Israel. They shall say no more. The fathers have eaten sour grapes. What are sour grapes? Grapes that are not ripe. You're right? And the children's teeth are set on edge. God says, they shall say no more. This parable shall not continue within the children of Israel. 
But funny enough, we stand in the pulpit every time when we prophesy over people, what God is saying we shall say no more is what we're saying. And we're telling people that your father's teeth was, your father's ate sour grapes, now your teeth is set on them. Your mother went through this, now you're going to go through this. And unconsciously, we've built that mentality in the heart and in the life of people. And one thing you don't understand is that as believers, we are spiritual people. We can generate whatever energy we want, whether it's true or false. Example I'll give to you. When they were to build the Tower of Babel, what happened? What happened when they were to build the Tower of Babel? God says this thing they have imagined. If we don't stop it, it will happen. You can create unrealistic scenarios for your life and experience them. You can. You can. You can just every time be thinking, ah, one day, ah, one day, ah, one day. Then when it happened, I say, I said it. Yes. Mark eleven twenty three twenty four. You shall have what you say. How many of you have imagined that? How many of you have seen that the same time it takes you to think evil thoughts is the same time it will take you to think God's word? It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Praise the name of the Lord. The same time it will take you to say, ah, this world is wicked. It's the same time that you used to say, God is giving us charge over this world. The light of God's word is shining over this world. The same time. Now, we're going to read a very long passage of scripture. Ezekiel chapter 18. Very interesting. I love this. I wish I could read it from the Amplified. But I know most of you don't have the Amplified. This is the verse I want to base our teaching on tonight. We're going to read it to verse chapter 18. Ezekiel. And we're going to stop at verse 23. So we're going to read 23 verses. Ezekiel chapter 18. And I want us to follow it carefully. Please follow this very, very carefully. Any teaching on generational curses can be invalidated with this chapter. Because God took time to explain it to the children of Israel here. So we're going to take it gradually and follow it. Then the word of the Lord came again to me saying, What do you mean by using this proverb concerning the land of Israel? What's the land of Israel? In this context, it was geographical, but we're talking about the children of God. Remember, God had told them in Deuteronomy that that proverb should stop. But as it is with everybody, they still kept on. Like even today, we are still teaching the same proverb. So God came and said, what do you mean, you know, by using this proverb concerning the land of Israel? The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, says the Lord God, you shall not have occasion anymore to use this proverb in Israel. What are you using? New King James. Okay, let me switch. As I live, says the Lord, you shall no longer use this proverb in Israel. The Amplified says you shall not have occasion anymore to use this proverb in Israel. Verse 4. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. Verse 5. But if a man is just and does what is lawful and right, if he has not eaten on the mountain, nor lifted about his eyes to idols of the house of Israel, nor defiled his neighbor's wife, nor approached a woman during her impurity, if he has not oppressed anyone, but has restored to the debtors his pledge, has robbed no one by violence, but has given his bread to the hungry, and covered the naked with clothing, if he has not exerted usury, 
nor taken any increase, but has withdrawn his hand from iniquity and executed true judgment between man and man. If he has walked in my statutes and kept my judgments faithfully, look at what God says. God says, He is just. He shall surely live, says the Lord God. Now, this is very important. God was listing all of these things because in, in the old covenant, righteousness by, was by works of the law. Do you understand that? So God was saying, if he has done all of this, the guy is a just man. He shall surely live. Now look at this. <laughs> Interesting. If he begets, begets means to born. If he borns a son, <laughs> who is a robber? <laughs> you know, if he begets a robber. Hey, hey. You know, when you read this, you will now stop asking yourself certain questions. How can that good man have this kind of wicked son? It happens. It happens. Is it one of the greatest responsibilities you will ever have in this life? Listen to me carefully tonight. Is to pray that your children would find Christ for themselves. And to teach them the ways of God. That's your greatest responsibility. It's not by sending them to the best school. Sending them to do, I want, ah, I have suffered. In this life, I have suffered. My children will not suffer. <laughs> There's no amount of comfort you give to your children without eternal life that is worth it. Strive to teach your children the ways of God. Look at this. If he begets a son who is a robber, very funny example by God. Or a shedder of blood. You can even put ritual killer. Who does any of these things? And does none of those duties. But has eaten on the mountains. Defiled his neighbor's wife. If he have oppressed the poor and needy. Robbed by violence. You can put militants there. Nor restored by pledge. Lifted his eyes to idols. Or committed abominations. If he has exerted usury or taken increase. Shall he then live? He shall not live. <laughs> if he has done any of these abominations, he shall surely die. His blood shall be upon him. What was God saying? God was saying, here's this good man. He did well. He lived right. He did all the good things. God says he will live. He's justified. He gives birth to a ritual killer and a militant. The guy kills. The guy does all kinds of things. God says, the boy will die. So you see the scenario that God was painting here very carefully. God first of all painted a righteous man who gave birth to a wicked son. Logically, in our mind, listen carefully, it is fine. Ah, how can this righteous person be punished for, for his son? He's a useless son. Don't mind him. He's not like his father. So logically, in our mind, it's fine. Now, when you now reverse the case, do you understand? When you now reverse the case that the father is the armed robber and the boy is good, Logically in our mind, the boy should pay for the sins of the father. So you see what God was doing here? God was very, de God was very deliberate in setting him up to say, listen, this man was a good man, but he gave birth to a wicked son. Everybody said, ah, no, now, nah, what is it? Ah, the man tried. Now God now says, let's keep talking. If, however, he begets a son, now, the righteous man begets or borns an evil son. The evil son is now in the begetting process. Meaning he has grown up in his evil to the point where he can now give birth. Okay. So he begets a son who sees 
all the sins which his father has done and considers but does not do likewise. So, the good man gave birth to a militant, gave birth to a bad guy, gave birth to a killer, gave birth to an adulterer. And then the adulterer gave birth to another guy. <laughs> and the man looks and says, man, my father was a bad guy. And I'm not going to follow this way. Now, I'm not going to follow this way is not by, um, which I will explain up on Sunday. It's not just by saying, I'm not going to. But accepts the sacrifice of Jesus. Accepts the justification that Jesus, and says, I'm not going to walk in the ways of my father. Now, let's read on. Look at this. Okay? So, he says, if I ever he begets a son, verse 14, who sees all the sins which his father has done, and consider but does not do likewise, who has not eaten on the mountains, nor lifted his, his eyes to idols of the house of Israel, nor divided his neighbor's wife, has not oppressed anyone, nor withheld the pledge, nor robbed by violence, but has given his bread to the hungry, and covered the naked with clothing, who has withdrawn his hand from the poor, and not received usury or increase, but has executed my judgment, and walked in my status, he shall not die. For the iniquity of his father, he shall surely live. So you see what God did here. God says, hey, this is a righteous guy. Who gave birth to a bad guy? The righteous guy is going to live. The bad guy is going to pay for his sin. This bad guy gives birth to another child. And the child says, no, my father was a bad guy. I'm not going to follow that way. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to follow righteousness. God says, listen, this child will not be punished for his father's sins. Just as the bad son, you know, could not also be exempted because of the righteousness of his father. God was trying to tell them, listen to me. Everybody is responsible for the occurrence of their life. That's what he was trying to tell them. But it's amazing today we still teach, and I don't know why we do that, but we still teach believers that they are suffering because of what their father has done. Their father has done. It's injustice. It doesn't satisfy the claims of justice. Are you following what I'm saying? Come on, I said, are you following what I'm saying? This, if you don't remember anything in this teaching, don't forget Ezekiel 18. If anybody teaches you generational courses, tell them to read it from verse 1 to verse 23 and explain it to you. Don't ask them any questions. Just say explain. That's when they will not say, no, there's one woman in Abuja. That's the problem. When you have watched too much African magic, you can't, you can't remember. You know, as, <laughs> this is just me. As a Bible teacher, I'm very careful of even um, themes that are acted. You know, I'll give you an example. If you watch, uh, what's that theme now that Moses was crossing the Red Sea? What, what do they call it? Is it Ten Commandments? Uh, if you watch Ten Commandments a lot of time, right? You watch, 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 watch. You will not know where they are acting parts that are not in the Bible. And if you are preaching, you will reference the theme because the theme is more visual. You just be saying, and Moses, just, and Moses, and the Bible didn't talk about that. You know, I'm just giving an example. So sometimes, as a minister of the gospel, if you are not careful, you will not even know when you are talking about what happened in real life, or you have watched, when you have consumed so much films. The scripture clearly teaches us from Ezekiel chapter 18 that everybody is responsible for the consequences of their life. That you cannot be punished for the sins of your father. In fact, rather, what even the scripture endorses more is the seed of the righteous. Because righteousness is more powerful than evil. 
Are you following what I'm saying carefully tonight? And you must, you must, you must reformat your mind. Not in any way to think, you know, when certain things happen, you start asking, ah, so who sinned? Let's read on. As of, as for his father, because he cruelly oppressed, robbed his brother by violence, and did what is not good among his people. Behold, he shall die for his iniquity. We are in Ezekiel 18, 18 now. Verse 19. Yet you say, Why should the son not bear the guilt of the father? So this was the question. God is saying, but you would ask, Why will the son not bear the guilt of the father? Because the son has done what is lawful and right. And has kept all my statutes and observed them. He shall surely live. Verse 20, the soul who sins shall die. The soul, the son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. God establishes it very clearly. That listen, it is the righteousness of the righteous that the man benefits from. It's the righteousness of the righteous. And that is why, listen very carefully to me, that is why salvation is non-transferable. My son, even though I'm a pastor, even though I'm a pastor's son, it, it got to a point in my life where I had to consciously accept the Lord as my own personal savior. Even though my children are raised up in church, it, we have to get to the point where they have to consciously Salvation is non-transferable. Are you following what I'm saying? So you have to consciously do that. Why? Because it is your own righteousness. When I mean your righteousness, now in terms of accepting the Lord, that imputed righteousness and your walk with God that answers for you. Now look at what the Lord says. Verse 21. But if the wicked man turns away from all his sins, this is something believers don't like hearing which he has committed, keeps all my status, and does what is lawful and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. Ah, Christians don't like this one. Say, no God, calm down. After everything the man has done, you know, if it were to be today, Saul would not have survived the prayer of the church. Say, spell his name. And carry cutlass. Cut the S. Cut the A. Cut the... Unconsciously, some of those prayers is because we have been trained in wickedness. And funny enough, we exhort such testimonies in the pulpit. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. After the last uh, fire for fire meeting, I just pray. When I went home, they said, my landlord has died. I said, Jesus, what a wonderful God you are. I just have come to return all the glory to God. <laughs> And you even hear people say, ah, you hear the minister say, did you hear that testimony? Repeat it again, repeat it again. So, praise the Lord. After the last fire for fire meeting, uh, in fact, it's not only the landlord. I even hear that the wife is sick now. Say, Jesus, say, God is still working. I mean, I mean you, you, see, you see how we are just celebrating the death of people because of our selfish motives for our own joy. People will become orphans. People will become widows. There is even no chance of repentance. We have not even considered 
the eternal state of these people who did not accept Christ. That's not important to us. Our testimonies is how much people we have killed. You will even hear a pastor say, if I'm a man of God, by this time tomorrow, everybody will be dead. Amen, Papa. Amen. Amen. Fools. How do you validate the call of God on your life by how many people you killed? And yet God says, go raise the dead. When they wanted to call fire down, you know what Jesus told them? He said, you know what manner of spirit you are made up of. Elijah is not our model. Jesus is. They didn't have a complete picture of who God was. They called the man by head. The guy said, ah, come on, kill these children. 50, 50. I mean, these guys are just rejoicing in killing. <laughs> I know we don't like this one. Look at verse 22. This is the one that pains believers a lot. None of the transgressions which he has committed shall be remembered against him. I like God. God said, after that man has murdered, after that man has done all the wickedness, if he comes and accepts the sacrifice of my son, God says, listen, there is nothing he has done that I will remember. You will remember, but I won't remember. That's why Saul, when he became Paul, can say, I've wronged no man. Ah, Paul, you can't be told that. If you are preaching, just preach. Don't add lies to it. The man say, I... <laughs> he says, I was called from my mother's womb as an apostle to the Gentiles. Ah, now, Paul, take it easy. But you know what Paul was just preaching? The reality of the new creation. Now, listen carefully. Because we don't believe Paul when he says, I was called from my mother's womb. Because we don't believe this particular scripture is the reason we also don't believe that we should not suffer from generational curses. Because if God will not remember the transgressions of the man who sinned against him because of the righteousness which he has done, what's going to happen? You see, God is going to treat that man as if he has never sinned. That is what justification is. God is going to justify him. So what Jesus came to do, which is what we are going to pick up up on uh, Sunday when we start teaching on this, what Jesus came to do is that he took all our iniquities upon him on the cross. And when we accept his sacrifice, you know what happens? All our sins are blotted out. We are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There is no legal justification for generational curses to operate in our lives. Look at this. Says, I remember his sins no more. None of the transgressions which he has committed shall be remembered against him because of the righteousness which he has done. But what's going to make this to happen if the man turns, if the man repents of his sins? This is where salvation becomes the only legal way to break the power of curses over the life of anyone. So when a man is born again, what happens to him? Righteousness is imputed to him. There is no legal ground why curses should operate on his life anymore. Are you following what I'm saying? You need to understand this because these are the legal explanations why you should be free. The blood of Jesus. Not your works. The blood of Jesus. And that's why you see that when people share all of those testimonies, they always point to themselves. You hear people say, for instance, you know, after that, I went on dry fasting for six days. 
Or I went to the mountain. <laughs> or I went to do this. Or I sowed a dangerous seed. You see, I'll, I'll explain this to you. you. You must be very careful of how you use your mind. Be very careful. You know, witchcraft as it is, is not the way it has been explained to us. I will not say I will spend some days to teach you on witchcraft. <laughs> I just had to explain this to you. You can, you can, you can generate enough negative forces by wishing someone evil. The, see, you, we must understand that we are spiritual beings. I don't know if you, if you get what I'm saying. We are spiritual people. You can generate enough and the enemy will act upon that on the life of people. In fact, one of the things about curses was to cast spells on people. And you can also do that for your own life. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Are you following what I'm saying? I remember one time, a lady came to me and said, Pastor, they're always pursuing me in the dream. Pastor, they're always pursuing me in the dream. I said, not a problem. He said, what are we going to do? I said, nothing. When you sleep tonight and they start pursuing you, you know what is going to happen? You're going to turn around and start doing what? Pursuing them. Why are you the only, why are you the only one running? What's making you to run? The scripture says, the wicked run it where no man pursue it. Why are you running? If a man's way pleases the Lord, he makes his enemies to be at peace with him. Your responsibility is your ways with the Lord. One scripture that I'll never forget. He prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies. What should be your focus in this equation? Enemies or the table? (laughs) Right? Enemies or the table? Did he tell you that the enemies will be present while the table is being prepared? Yeah, he said so. He prepares the table before me in the presence. Meaning that the enemies are required ingredients in the dining table. You know what I'm saying? Now, now fear is beginning to set in. So say, ah, God forbid. Now, Jesus and Anna, it's simple. We can't, I mean, do you want us to throw that scripture away? Come on, let's look at it. What does he say? He prepares a table before me where? In the presence, their absence, the presence of enemies. Where has all our focus been? The enemies. We haven't focused on the one who is preparing the table. We haven't focused on the table that's preparing before us. We haven't even focused on ourselves if we came with knives and freck to the table. An enemy that needs to die for your God to promote you. You need to change God's. God is all powerful. He says all souls are mine. Believe that statement. Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord, the fullness thereof. And all the people that dwell therein. Your boss belongs to God. Your spouse belongs to God. Your children belongs to God. The president belongs to God. God is not losing control. Believe that. This consciousness of people, they, ah, sir, they, we, many, all the pronouns and nouns you know in in your life are used for enemies. When 
<laughs> the enemies came against Elijah. And the servant said, Master, look at. He prayed one prayer. He didn't even bother about the enemies, right? What did the, what did the prophet of God pray? He says, God open, did he say open? He says, open his eyes. When the guy saw what was around him, chariots of fire, <laughs> I'm sure the guy was just like, where is ice cream? You know the reason you're afraid? You don't know who is for you. What you need to pray, they are not your problem. Your eyes is darkened. He says, if your um, eyes be single, your whole body will be full of light. If you're focused on Christ, you will see nothing around you but light. See, but if your eyes is dark, then you see darkness around you. If you're seeing a lot of enemies, your eyes is not on Christ. You cannot see Christ and see enemies at the same time. Your eyes is not single. You're looking at too many things. You think people like us don't have enemies? I remember one, one time, I had a dream. And uh, in the dream, it's like my son passed up. I just got up. I thought it was a dream. I just went back to sleep. Ah, did you not bind it? You don't bind what won't happen. Do you understand? My getting up to bind is now saying this is serious. We should take it serious. It's not. The, it, that, it is me that now start making it a project. Why? Great shall be the peace of your children because they shall be taught of the Lord. Are you following what I'm saying? I don't have time. I just want to rush this quickly. But I've told you about dreams. Some of you need to change what you watch before you go and sleep. You've watched war thing. People are jumping. People are killing. Ah! In fact, as you were going, you were still watching. You were still watching. You now slept. Then in the night, you were in spiritual warfare. I've told you my story before. Then when they gave us one coach in Manchester United, it's breaking all the records. Everybody was beating us. West Ham, everybody. One night, I think we lost a match to West Brom. I was so angry that night. In fact, <laughs> my wife, you know, I was angry. Ah! In the night, I went to where they were training. I went to warn the coach, seriously. After that warning, they sacked him. Have I ever been to London? No. If you drop me in London now, do I know where they train? No. How did I go there? I hope, I hope you won't call me what I'm thinking you're thinking. <laughs> okay. But you know what happened? It's just my mind. It's just my mind. It, your spirit does not sleep. Your body does. So your spirit continues the activities of the day. Your spirit doesn't sleep. So that's why you should make sure that before you go to bed, you are feeding your spirit with the word of God. Let me give you a typical example. How many of you have been listening to messages? For instance, it has happened to me several times. You're listening to a message and you sleep. It's, it's as if you found yourself in the church where the person was teaching. Have you ever experienced that? It would be as if you went to the conference or you, it would just seem as if and then you wake up. What happened? Your spirit just sat up and was listening to the word. It's your body that sleeps. So you need to watch what you put, feed your mind before you go to bed. You need to watch your conversations. You need to watch what happens to you. Get the word of God in your room. Get the messages playing. Get worship tapes playing. All those people came to press me. They didn't come to press me. would leave. Are you still here? John chapter 9. Let's do five minutes. And we close. John chapter 9. Thank you Lord Jesus. John chapter 9. <laughs> God's word is true in our lives. Amen.
I said, God's word is true in our lives. Amen. John chapter 9, verse 1. We'll just do this and three more scriptures, then we we'll close. Number verse 1. It says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was born blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned? <laughs> This man or his parents that he was born blind. You know, funny enough, we always think that the disciples of Jesus were very matured. They were going. You know, they were just trekking and preaching, trekking and preaching. And they saw a guy born blind. And they just said, Jesus, come, 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 come. There's something I wanted to ask you. This man that is not seen. Who sinned? <laughs> Instead of them, Jesus had been training them to heal blind people. They are busy asking what's making the mind blind. Okay. So let's look at the report of Jesus. Now, if you read these, um, in Bible translation, in original Bible translations, there is no, there is no, they wrote it without verses, okay? It's just written straight, written without verses. But somehow here, you find that sometimes the punctuation can make you misunderstand this verse. Okay, so I will not attempt to correct the punctuation, but I'll read it without the punctuation. Because if you read it this way, It means as if because God wanted to reveal his work in the man, the man became blind. But that can be true because we have other scriptures that tells us that blindness is not the work of God. Do you follow what I'm saying? So here you have to be careful of the punctuation. But let's read. I'll I'll explain to you. It says, Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him I must walk the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man can walk. That's the way to read that verse. So, he is saying that, listen, right now, it's not because he sinned, or it's not because his parents sinned. But, right now, I'm going to get this man healed doing the works of God. So, what's the works of God there? It's very important. The works of God is not the blindness. The works of God is what? The healing. Okay. How do I know? First John chapter 3 verse 8. We'll come back here. But I just want to establish that. Because you cannot make a doctrine out of one verse of scripture. So, because, listen to this. If you, if, if people, I've heard people teach it that way. But if you teach it that way, it means that God can put sickness on you to reveal his glory. But that's not true. Because we know that God is not the author of sickness. So let's read three verses, three chapters quickly and then we'll come back. First John chapter 3 verse 8. First John chapter 3 and verse 8. First John chapter 3 and verse 8. What does it say? He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested... That he might destroy the works of the devil. Acts chapter 10 verse 38. Acts 10 38. Acts chapter 10 verse 38. Acts chapter 10 verse 38. Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Acts 10 38. What does it say? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power... Who went about doing good. And what was the sign of his doing good? And healing. All who were oppressed by what? The devil. So we know the source of oppression. Because God was with him. Last scripture. 
Luke chapter 7, verse 22. Luke 7, 22. Right? Am I right? Yep. Luke 7, 22. Fantastic. Let's read from verse 20. And when men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? <laughs> you know, when John was proclaiming Jesus being the Son of God, man, you think the guy had so much faith. Behold the Lamb of God. He's sure I'm not worthy to, and all that. When they locked the guy in prison, he now sent disciples to ask Jesus, Are you the one? Are you not the one who said he's the one? You know, sometimes we think we have faith until we start going through trials and we question the goodness of God. You know, when everything is going well, you think you are a faith man. And that's why sometimes when people are going through challenges, we should minister to them with compassion. Ah, me, I know, I cannot be sick. Ah, who, me, I cannot be sick. Hey, I cannot be sick. Until you get sick. And then you will now start saying, why we are believing God? Can they not be treating somebody if somebody is believing God? Your faith has disappeared. In fact, you'll be the one saying, let's try native. Let's try native. Let's try. Before you will go and recommend Babalao to yourself, you will not know. Say, after we are aware, we can study the scripture again. It's only a man who is alive that can serve God. You are battling already. Galatians 6.1, it says, if a brother falls, it says, let them who are spiritual restore such a one with gentleness and meekness. We are never allowed to minister to people out of a position of self-righteousness. Let's read on quickly. So what did he say? And that very hour he cured many of infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and to many blind he gave sight. Jesus answered and said, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. What was Jesus establishing here? That the healing power of God would manifest in the life of that man in John chapter 9 because God is a good God. It had nothing to do with his sin or had nothing to do with what? The sins of his parents. And so his blindness was not as a result of a generational curse. God says, listen, let's not talk about curses here. Now that I'm here, the goodness of God in the works of God will be manifested because I was sent to bring sight. Are you, are you here? God is a good God. We must never question His goodness. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.